Chapter 2. Neurology. Topic 12. Neuromuscular Disorders. This section will discuss various neuromuscular disorders. The neuromuscular junction is a complex structure involving the use of different ion channels, axons, and cells. Pathology at any of these sites can produce unique symptomatology. Before we go into specific neuromuscular pathologies, we'll review some neuromuscular junction physiology. It begins with an action potential that reaches the axon terminal. Voltage-dependent calcium gates open, allowing calcium to enter the axon terminal. Neurotransmitter vesicles fuse with the presynaptic membrane and acetylcholine is released into the synaptic cleft via exocytosis. Acetylcholine then binds to postsynaptic receptors on the sarcolemma. This binding causes ion channels to open and allows sodium ions to flow across the membrane into the muscle cell. The flow of sodium ions across the membrane into the muscle cell generates an action potential which travels to the myofibril and results in muscle contraction. The first pathology we'll review is myasthenia gravis. It is seen in women in their 20s and 30s and men in their 60s to 80s. It is also seen in patients with history of other autoimmune disease. The pathophysiology is due to autoantibodies against nicotinic acetylcholine receptors at the neuromuscular junction, resulting in complement activation and receptor destruction. Signs and symptoms include fluctuating muscle weakness that worsens with use, diplopia with normal pupillary response. This is often the earliest complaint due to constant use of these muscles and relatively increased density of acetylcholine receptors. Other symptoms include difficulty chewing, slurred speech, dysarthria, dysphagia, and nasal-sounding speech. Patients may also have a trident tongue where there is one central and two lateral longitudinal furrows of the tongue. Important to note there are no sensory deficits. Diagnosis is clinical plus serologic testing. Serology will demonstrate the presence of acetylcholine receptor antibodies. Anti-muscle-specific kinase antibodies can also be tested for patients that are acetylcholine receptor antibody negative. Other forms of testing that are supportive of the diagnosis include the ice pack test. As the name implies, placement of an ice pack over the patient's eyelids for several minutes results in an improvement in ptosis and diplopia due to the cold temperature inhibiting breakdown of acetylcholine at the neuromuscular junction. The edrophonium test utilizes a short-acting acetylcholinesterase inhibitor, resulting in rapid improvement in muscle weakness. Electromyography, EMG, will demonstrate decreased response to repetitive stimulation. On CT thorax, a thymoma is present in 15% of cases. Management of myasthenia gravis is with acetylcholinesterase inhibitors, such as neostigmine and pyridostigmine. These function by inhibiting acetylcholinesterase at the neuromuscular junction, prolonging the effects of acetylcholine and outcompeting the autoantibodies. Side effects are primarily due to excess acetylcholine. These include salivation, lacrimation, emesis, bronchoconstriction, urinary incontinence, and diarrhea. Surgical options for patients with thymomas include thymectomy. This may provide complete relief of symptoms due to the autoantibodies originating from the thymus. Immunosuppressive agents may be used for patients non-responsive to acetylcholinesterase inhibitors and thymectomy. These take several weeks to reach their efficacy. Common agents include corticosteroids and steroid-sparing agents, such as azathioprine, cyclosporine, tacrolimus, cyclophosphamide, and mycophenolate. The most concerning complication of myasthenia gravis is the development of a myasthenic crisis. It is an exacerbation presenting with severe muscle weakness, which involves the diaphragmatic muscles resulting in respiratory compromise. This may be triggered by underlying infection or stress, such as from surgery, medication, or pregnancy. 
Treatment is with plasmapheresis or intravenous immunoglobulin. Other differentials to consider when the pupils are involved is botulinum toxicity. In botulinum toxicity, patients will have dilated pupils and repetitive nerve stimulation on electromyography will show incremental increase in muscle response. As an aside, aminoglycosides should be avoided in patients with myasthenia gravis due to their side effect of preventing the release of acetylcholine from the presynaptic cleft. Our second neuromuscular disorder is Lambert-Eaton syndrome. The pathophysiology is a perineoplastic syndrome characterized by autoantibodies against presynaptic voltage-gated calcium channels, preventing release of acetylcholine into the neuromuscular junction. Signs and symptoms are characterized by muscle weakness that improves with use. This is because repetitive use will build up a gradient of calcium outside the presynaptic voltage-gated channel that eventually will outcompete the autoantibody. Other findings include proximal muscle weakness, decreased deep tendon reflexes, and normal pupils. Diagnosis is supported with serology demonstrating the presence of voltage-gated calcium channel antibodies. Other imaging tests to consider are electromyogram and chest CT to look for lung cancer if this is the first presenting symptom. Lambert-Eaton syndrome is associated with both small cell lung cancer and lymphoproliferative disorders, such as Hodgkin lymphoma. Management is focused on the treatment of the underlying malignancy. Speaking of small cell lung cancer, other perineoplastic symptoms associated with small cell lung cancer include syndrome of inappropriate antidiuretic hormone secretion and Cushing syndrome due to ectopic production of adrenocorticotropic hormone. Moving on, we will discuss amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS. The pathophysiology is due to a neurodegenerative disorder of unknown etiology affecting upper and lower motor neurons. A superoxide dismutase mutation is seen in familial cases. Signs and symptoms are divided into upper motor neuron and lower motor neuron signs. Upper motor neuron signs include increased deep tendon reflexes, spasticity, pronator drift, and clasp knife reflex. Lower motor neuron signs include fasciculations, atrophy, hypotonia, and decreased deep tendon reflexes. Other neurologic manifestations are asymmetric limb weakness, nasal speech, cramping, and stiffness. There may also be corticobulbar involvement presenting as difficulty chewing, swallowing, due to a decreased gag reflex, and coughing, due to a decreased cough reflex. It is important to note that sensation is intact. Diagnosis is with clinical and electrical evidence. An electromyogram will demonstrate diffuse axonal injury and loss of neural innervation involving multiple muscle groups. Postmortem stain of the spine is the only confirmatory test. Management of amyotrophic lateral sclerosis is primarily symptomatic. Reluzole, a glutamate modulator, an MDA inhibitor, has been shown to decrease progression of the disease. It increases survival for up to six months longer by preventing glutamate-induced excitotoxicity and neuronal destruction. Its main side effects are dizziness, weakness, and granulocytopenia. Muscle spasms are treated with antispastic agents such as baclofen, tizanidine, and cyclobenzaprine. Complications are aspiration pneumonia and respiratory failure. Aspiration pneumonia occurs due to a decreased cough and gag reflex. Respiratory failure occurs due to involvement of the diaphragmatic muscles, which is the most common cause of death. Of note, in contrast to corticobulbar involvement seen in amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, there is also a disorder known as pseudobulbar affect syndrome, which is characterized as inappropriate or involuntary laughing, crying, and yawning. Our next major neuromuscular disorder we will review is Guillain-Barre syndrome, GBS. 
The pathophysiology is an autoimmune disorder targeting the myelin sheath of peripheral nerves, secondary to molecular mimicry most commonly after an upper respiratory or gastrointestinal infection such as from Campylobacter. Other associations include CMV, HIV, EBV, HSV, mycoplasma, post-vaccination, and systemic lupus erythematosus. Signs and symptoms are characterized by ascending muscle weakness. Other signs and symptoms are decreased deep tendon reflexes, difficulty breathing secondary to involvement of the diaphragm, and autonomic dysfunction presenting as hypotension, hypertension, tachyarrhythmias, and diaphoresis. Patients may also have sensory involvement resulting in pain and dysesthesias due to loss of large unmyelinated fibers carrying proprioception. Diagnosis is with clinical and electrical evidence. An electromyogram will demonstrate demyelination and decreased conduction speed. There will also be a small or absent F response. Further explaining the F response, when a stimulus is given it should travel anterograde to the muscle and retrograde to the cell body, then back to the muscle. This loop is called the F response and is diminished in demyelinating disease. Other characteristic findings are lumbar puncture, which will demonstrate albuminocytologic dissociation, defined as elevated protein with a normal cell count. Management is symptomatic with close monitoring for complications. Intravenous immunoglobulin or plasmapheresis have both been shown to shorten time to independent walking by 50%. There is an overall good prognosis as myelin regenerates resulting in 80% of patients having a full recovery. The key complication to be aware of is respiratory failure. It is therefore important to periodically check the patient's FVC and peak inspiratory flow to determine involvement of the respiratory muscles and, if necessary, escalate the level of care. We will conclude with two lesser-known neuromuscular disorders that resemble GBS. The first is Miller-Fisher variant. It is a variant of GBS and is characterized by the lack of ascending muscle weakness in contrast to classic GBS, there is typically bulbar and facial involvement presenting as difficulty speaking and swallowing, ophthalmoplegia, and ataxia. Serology will be positive for anti-GQ1B antibodies. Lastly, chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, CIDP, is a disorder that presents as GBS, however, does not resolve after eight weeks. It presents in a more chronic, insidious, and slowly progressive manner. There will also be sensorimotor involvement. Management is primarily with glucocorticoids. Intravenous immunoglobulin or plasmapheresis may also be administered, similar to management in classic GBS.